Let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Well, there's nothing really coming out and slapping me around. Yeah. There's a nice... There's a roasted hint at, at the end of it that, that comes through. Yeah. Without the dryness as well. Yeah. A little bit sweet, actually, at the end, for me. Not overly sweet, but that's, I'm getting that rather than anything else. Yeah. No real burn. No. And considering it's 9.7% 9. 9. that's uh, that's quite surprising. So this is... Um, this is the first of three beers that, that we're doing this week, which are all collaboration beers, and they're a set, like they're a series of beers that have been designed to be drunk together. So this is from Time and Tide Brewing and Weird Beard, and we're starting off with White Cell, which is a white stout which has been brewed with Bramling Cross and Sriracha Ace hops, and has also had a load of coffee and cacao nibs thrown into it as well, for, for good measure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how much of the last two I'm picking up, but I'm glad I'm not picking up one of the former hops. I'm, I'm not so sure. Now, I'm I'm not a fan of Sriracha, but I do quite like Bramling Cross. When, yeah, when that's the is. one I meant. I mean, I'm in the Sriracha. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Sriracha. But the um, the coffee, maybe the coffee we're also getting with that, that roasted notes we were getting at the yeah. start. Perhaps there's an element of that coming from the coffee as well. Mm-hmm. So let's well, well let's start there, shall we? Yeah. So I'll give you the background to to the beers because I, I this is a really interesting experiment. Yeah. I, I think what's what's happened here. Oh, I'm pretty pleased you've uh, bought these uh, <laughs> from, from your friend at Beer Central again. Yeah, I was I was chuffed because I I saw uh, the guys mention this collab a few months back and and I was badgering Sean saying, please tell me you're getting all three, please tell me you're getting all three, because I just wanted to do them together as as kind of the brewers. Did he get uh, all three just to shut you up? I possibly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I reckon Sean let us know yeah. so, so anyway um, Drew from Time and Tide Brewing has been in touch which we're really grateful for um, and he's given us he's basically given us the history yeah of, of, really of it was very this, detailed this came actually about. So, so Drew Harris is one of the brewers at Time and Tide and, and this particular collab was, was his idea it was, it was his project he's got a background in uh, being a delivery driver and working for the bottle shop um, so he got to know various breweries uh, and eventually decided that rather than selling other people's beer, he'd rather make his own and, and, and sell his own. Fair well, enough. Why not? Fair enough. Um, and he got chatting to um, Weird Beard uh, about it and some of the other guys at Time and Tide were maybe a little bit sceptical about doing collabs because they hadn't done them before. They're only a small Kent brewery. They make a really good point here coming up, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and they were saying that... that they, some of them were quite sceptical uh, about doing collabs because they saw, saw them as, as simply a marketing exercise yeah. rather than anything else. And because they're only small and they don't really get much outside of Kent, I think they were quite concerned that it would come across as they were trying to piggyback on the larger brand yeah. of, of, of Weirdbeard. So um, they said if they were going to do the collab, they wanted to do it with someone they respected. So uh, he got in touch with Brian at Weirdbeard. Um, and Brian said, yeah, they were up for it, but the only stipulation was that there would be a home and away version, as well as a, a third beer, which was a blend of the two beers. I love the idea. Yeah, this is, this is that, where that, it really the home begins and, the to The home get and away in neutral ground. Yeah. Um, so whatever they made had to fit together. So they, they, they came, they're set upon these three beers. So the first one we're drinking tonight is the White Sail, 
which is which is the white stout. Um, I'll go into some of the tasting notes that he sent across as we go through them. The second beer that we'll be doing is a is called Call Your Friends. Uh, this is the Weird Beard home match, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and this is a coffee double black IPA. And then the third of the beers is a blend of the two. Um, and it's a reverse black and tan called Crossing Over. So that will be quite interesting to get to that. Now, interestingly, all three beers sit at 9.7% as, as well. So they're not, they're not tiny beers. They're not tiny beers. And also to have them pitch up exactly the same. I mean, that obviously wasn't by accident, but that, that takes some skill in itself. A- absolutely. And, that, and there's a real skill in, in that as well. And basically what they said with, with the last one was, was that, or with all of them, was that they didn't want to create something that was more than the sum of its parts but they just wanted something intense. So uh, apparently that's the one we'll be finishing on. We're building up to that because you get not only the hops, but you get intense coffee from, from the last one as well. Well, I mean, we, you know, we've shared some, a couple of big weird beard beers in the past. We, yeah. did one, we did finished off the opinions on film with one, didn't we? Yes. And I've always enjoyed their big beers. Yes, so I'm looking forward. I'm looking to, forward to, to, that. to get into that. So this is quite quite exciting yeah. tonight, and it does fit fit in with the overall theme yeah. of this evening's show, which we'll get to in good time. In good time. Um, so before we get to that, um, let's uh, let's have a look at what we've been up to this week. Um, anything stand out for you, mate? Well, I think the last week we both uh, we both did the siren barista, didn't we? Between the, us, the four, the four coffee, yes. coffee inspired. Kind of staying on theme a yeah. little bit as well. What so we're drinking? Did the four coffee inspired beers? So I shared them last night with uh, with Michelle, and um, I think we did them in fairly much the same order you did. I think we went basically by ABV, which is what I did. Yeah, it seemed the obvious way to do it. Now, in reverse order, what was your least favourite? Uh probably the first one which I can't remember was it crema, crema which was a white stout yeah. so if, if you compare that to this I was getting none of the characteristics none of what I call the characteristics from a white stout from ok it. well I was getting the coffee notes on the crema see I got no coffee from and it and we all. discussed this before didn't we and I'm just yeah. wondering whether I'm, I maybe on the more subtle coffee beers I'm picking up the coffee because I don't drink coffee because you're not a coffee drinker yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but that wasn't my least favourite my least favourite was actually the double IPA I struggled with that. I really the the coffee and the IPA and the balance of it just felt quite out of sync, um, and it didn't really look that appealing in the glass. I have to admit either. I think this is one that I mentioned this before that I've I've had that when it was first brewed three years ago. I think it was Simon first did that, and it was it was the same colour, but it was crystal clear. Now this version has come out murky and it looks like cold coffee in a glass yeah and it smelled like cold coffee to be fair yeah um so that for me that was my least favorite flipping it the other way what was your favorite of the lot without a doubt it was the imperial stout the turkish which which was a coffee black imperial stout just perfect wasn't that wasn't my favorite my favorite was the sour. the sour yeah did you get coffee notes on that no i didn't get any coffee at all and i've actually written that on my untapped diet for me it was the best of the four beers if I completely forget about the coffee element. So I don't know what the coffee brought to it. I know you can, you know, when we did this thing with Roland, he was talking about like the dark fruits you can get with the coffee sometimes. I don't know if that's what they were using the coffee for, was to get uh, more of, a, of other 
flavours and texture and mouthfeel other than just coffee. Because I'd agree with the Turkish one, the big Imperial Stout, was the best coffee beer. Yeah. And it was everything you expected from a coffee Imperial Stout. But for me, the actual nicest beer was the sour. And I think there was... Because somebody came back to me on, on, on Twitter about my untapped review of the the Kettle Sour one. And they had been to the launch event at Siren. And they said that the, the roasters were there. And they were talking about how they were using the flavours that coffee can also impart that aren't necessarily coffee to, to enhance certain So it wasn't just drink. about... So it might Coffee. have been that they were focusing on more of the kind of the, the berry and dark fruit yeah. elements that, that coffee can... Because I thought it was a really, really nice kettle sour. I enjoyed it as, as, as far as the sour was yeah. concerned. It's not, it wasn't that tart, was it? It wasn't, it wasn't tart. It was l- really well balanced. It was a very soft finish. Yeah. yeah. A really interesting project, though. That I thought put, it was really interesting. I, I would love it if they did something similar again, whether it be the coffee thing or do it with something else. Which makes you think about it a bit more because it wasn't just about coffee as I think I know it. Yeah. It was about what else can coffee... Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I thought thought that was good. I mean, obviously, uh, a few things which we've been to together recently, Steve, we went uh, to the launch of London Beer City. We did. Which by now, everyone will have listened to the interview with Matt and Will. Well, they should have done. And and if not, there will be a link through to the pod blast in in, in this week's show. Um, So that that was interesting. That was over at the new Mother Kelly's over at um, Vauxhall. Yeah, what did you think of the venue? I like the venue. I I like Mother Kelly's over at Bethnal Green. Um, And I like the fact they've got one now in a part of the city where it it isn't necessarily overrun with those kind of beery options it's about twice the size maybe even three times the size if you go door to door it is a lot bigger yeah um, they've used all along Vauxhall Railway Arch and Vauxhall comes straight out of Waterloo so there's a lot of train line yeah um, so I thought the venue was lovely uh, the, the the launch was interesting uh, thank, you know, thanks to you know people who organise it and five points for throwing some beers in while we were there to mm-hmm. keep us all going um, I think there's some interesting events coming up so I think we'll link that into the show notes yeah. as well um, and if you get the opportunity and you go to any events let us know what you think of them absolutely yeah yeah, we're, we're keen to hear people's feedbacks on, on all, all of those events and you also went to, to another e- event last week yes. as well, which we put out another pod blast <laughs> yes. about we can't stop we can't stop uh, now we've started yeah we're just going to keep throwing these things at you two or three so. people said do the interview separately so we do now yeah we, we do and obviously because this event was uh, predominantly Belgian beer I was nowhere to be seen yeah you stood back from that one so, so it was all down <laughs> to you mate yeah the um, the King's Arms off Bethnal Green Road which is a, a lovely pub which has gone very, fairly crafty but they have a decent range of cask and uh, ciders as well they had a Le Sen and Siphon Tap Takeover. Um, open to everyone. Uh, we just got a bit of a heads up about it. And um, Ivan from Brasserie de la Sen was, was going to be in attendance. So we said, well, look, can we get a few words with him? Had a chat with him. I've had, I've had their beers before, uh, both in Brussels and over here. Okay. And uh, had some on the night. Lovely chap. Um, if you do get the chance, have a listen to it. Have a listen to the pod blast. Um, he also, you know, Turns out he has a bit of a love for, for, for English beers as well, which you'll hear about, so I won't spoil it completely. And um, tried a few of them, had had the triple. The Belgium triple that they do is amazing. Mm. That was a 4.25 for me on Untapped. And I don't, big I, numbers. There's big numbers big for numbers me. Big numbers for you, yeah. Um, I had it before from the bottle in Brussels, had it on the tap, and 
absolutely amazing, 8%, but beautiful. It's got a quite traditional belgium triple feel about it, but it's softened out by lemony flavours and aroma as well. Mm-hmm. Really well-balanced beer. Um, then I knocked up a few of the Siphon beers, which is a new brewery, which uh, Brendan Kearney from the Belgium Smack podcast has uh, started doing. And I would have tried all four of their beers, but all of the keg lines at the King's Arms broke down. Oh, nightmare. <laughs> on, on, on a tap takeover. Yeah, on a oh, tap takeover, no. where the tap takeover is all keg. Yeah. <laughs> so like that, completely Worst disaster. case scenario. Yeah, yeah so that was, that was a real bummer, actually. But a couple of siphon beers that I did taste were lovely. They did a Belgium, a US-inspired IPA, but we were slight bit of a Belgium hit on it. Um, that was fantastic. Mm. It was called Dan Nation. That was really good, that was. So, yeah, very enjoyable night. I like going to the King's Arms anyway, and lovely to have a chat with um, a Belgian brewer who's so passionate about what they do. I'm, I'm actually, I've got to say, I'm a little bit gutted I missed it because it does sound like, because uh, again, without spoiling too much from, from the pod blast, he was saying that how they tend to focus more on, on, on a hoppy beers rather than the traditional Belgian yeah. style beers, which is obviously right up my street and I, they, they would have been beers that I would have liked to have tried. Yeah, basically, he the, the, the ethos is almost, let's take the best of both worlds. There's a lot of great things not? going on in the modern yeah. beer world. But let's not ignore the tradition that Belgian brewers have built up over centuries. Yeah, yeah, completely. And all the, 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 their beers that I've tasted, I'd say they've fairly much hit the mark on most of those. Great stuff. So yeah, good fun that. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Playfest at the weekend. Goes without saying. Uh, uh, don't don't want to bang on about it too much because people are probably <laughs> already completely jealous from the amount of pictures that were shared <laughs> yeah. over the weekend. Exactly. But, yeah. But it did give me the opportunity to pop into the Owl House beforehand because obviously I get off the train at Chelmsford, I have no choice. And it would be rude not to. Yeah. And um, a new beer from Andy Parker, Elusive Bruce, Beer of Destiny, his single hop Citra version. Yes. That went down really well. The two pints of it that we had before Clayfest. Yeah, because we needed two pints. To make sure. It was, it was, this, it was just yeah. sort of co- fact, quality I, control, wasn't in fact, it? In fact, I had, it, I had the Oakham Citra beforehand just so I could do a bit of a just, compare. Just to set a baseline. Because I, I'm sciencey like that. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Clayfest was great. Uh, as always, thanks to, to, to Clayton for putting on an amazing spread of food. Yes. Um, and there were some, we, we were just enjoying some good beers. Yeah, that we enjoyed well. some good beers. Um, Tom bought some shit Polish beers. Um, yeah, one of which, which I, I think I actually described on Untapped as like drinking piss water. I didn't even go that far. If anybody saw that Untapped, can I just point out right now that... I have no reference point for that. <laughs> it's what I imagine drinking piss water would taste like. I wrote one of them shit, the next one more shit. Okay, <laughs> well, I, I think that's just about something. But yeah, but, uh, it was about the day. We, we, we share some bottles, we bring our own, we just have generally a good time without having to focus too much on the, yeah. on the beers we brought along. It's just a bit of a, It's the Essex bottle share day out. It is, it is, and it's always... It's when the Allen House lets us out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're allowed to go somewhere else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's get back into this beer, because we are rapidly working our way through it. So some of the some of the tasting notes that, that, that Drew sent us over about this. Um, this one says they, they originally were talking about doing some sort of cherry stout. Um, and White Cell came about because at the time they were piloting a White Stout called Domino, which is now on general release. Um, and, and the guys at Weird Beard thought that that beer was amazing, so they decided that they'd do a version of it at, at theirs. Um, so they were still trying to get some of the elements of the cher- cherry stout into this, so that's why they've used the Bramling Cross, 
to try and bring some of the smooth cherry flavours that, that that can bring. Okay. Um, sriracha ace went into it, and then coffee and cocoa nibs were added in the fermenter, and, and this this is the result of it. Uh, I mean, we're, we're almost to the end of it. Well, what are you thinking? Well, let's go to the starting point. We're, on, we're The show tonight is about ABV. This is a 9.7. First thing to say, it doesn't drink like a 9.7. This does not feel like 9.7%. There's no boozy hit on this at all. Um, there's no alcoholic burn. It hasn't even really got that uh, sort of thick, viscous mouthfeel to it either. Um, it's just too easy to drink. I, If you poured this in the glass, didn't tell me, or put some foil around the important stuff on the outside, I might peak at a six-ish. But yeah. even then, I might, if you give it to me even colder than we've had it tonight, even though it's a bit rubbish our summer weather, it's still quite warm tonight, then I'd probably, I, you know, I don't even know if I would have gone as high as six. It's, it's just incredibly drinkable. Yeah, it's That's... really well. But I mean, we, we both, I think we both had, uh, I've had some time and tide before. I have. Um, I've, I've always been impressed with the beers that I've had from them as well. There's one which has left me questioning it though, because they do a beetroot one. Yeah, I wouldn't even go near that. Yeah, I've tasted that. Just, just because. And I've got one in my fridge still. <laughs> so I might have to have a word Certain about that one. Certain things have no place even being anywhere near beer. And in my mind, beetroot is, is one of those. But we could easily have done a can of this each. Easily, yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. I, I'm almost gutted that I had Shared to share it, it to, to be honest with you. Anyway, so while we finish that off, let's, uh, let's jump into this week's news, a couple of stories that I just want to pick up on. So we've already been talking about London Beer City. Uh, one of the things that really stands out for me uh, about this, the, the event and one of the, the, the events that is going on, and I love this, is that all of the, uh, I say all, some of the top craft beer shops in London have, have all got together with local brewers to brew their own collab beers and they're they're calling it kind of the battle of the beer shops Uh, and all of these beers will be available at Mother Kelly's in Bethnal Green on Thursday the 10th of August from 7 o'clock so you've got um, a quick rundown nobody knows uh, exactly what's being brewed at the moment actually there's one that we do know so you've got Beer Boutique and Brixton Brewery Caps and Taps and Orbit Clapton Craft and Affinity Brew Hot Burns and Black and Brew by Numbers and they're brewing the next iteration of the Brew by Numbers double IPA so that's 5505. I, yes, I think that'll I think be so. that they're brewing. And then you've got Kill the Cat and a tiny brewer's trio working with Earth Owl, Solvay Society, and Boxcar Brewery. Micro beers with Twicken and Fine Owls, Mother Kelly's and Red Church. That's an obvious one because yeah. they're literally a stone throw from each other. Real Owl and the Park Brewery, and We Bought Beer and London Beer Lab. I mean, that sounds great. Um, that's quite an interesting one. Fight, yeah. Fight, fight, fight. Yeah, let's, let's see who comes out on, on top of that yeah. one. Um, staying in London, um, Fuller's have unveiled uh, two new robots that work on their cast. I read, I read about this. I've seen them. They're brilliant. They are they are fantastic. Yeah, you, you, yeah I didn't yeah. talk about you saying that. They're two huge robotic arms that, that basically um, one of them uh, kind of is involved in bringing the kegs into the brewery washing them making them clean and ready for racking and the other one is responsible for then packaging them and they're just brilliant these two arms are just working away in the warehouse picking up six casks at a time and doing what they need to do with them they're they're absolutely fantastic Um, but they've named them after two of the fullest teams team members uh brendan bray and richard keith so one's called brendan and that stacks and destacks casks why uh, Richard removes and replaces the locator boards. But the, both of them do work in unison. And like I say, it's a great thing to watch. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. And obviously, I suppose with Fuller's, they've got to be, be innovative with what they do. 
because of the capacity they with the amount of beer that's going through there it's their space their yeah. space they've got to be inventive with the space they have at Chiswick yeah. if they want to carry on brewing at Chiswick absolutely because so, they're already at capacity yeah. there so yeah. they've got it's, it's, it's fine margins all the time isn't it yeah yeah, and and obviously I got to see that when I visited there a few weeks ago. Sorry, don't want to talk um, about it. But people will be able to listen to, no. to the interview that I did with um, George, the head brewer there. Uh, that's going to be out at the end of August as as one of the two summer specials that we're going to be putting out. So. Yeah, but I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, and pains me that I couldn't make it, um, I have listened to it. And it is really fascinating listening to. Steve chat to Georgina. Yes, yeah. it's, it's a fascinating interview. It, it is. It's and and she does go into quite a few things as well. One yeah. of the things being your love Chiswick bitter and yeah, what why they no longer are producing it. Yeah. So why we're talking about um, flat bearing cask, uh, Thornbridge. <laughs> right, you're really going to say flat bearing cask before you then do the next news segment, which says Thornbridge. Okay, scratch that bit. Um, Thornbridge are expanding again, which I think is great, but this isn't just any old expansion. Basically, what they're doing is they're building a new brew house that is simply going to be dedicated to brewing cask beer, um, which will allow them to increase the production capacity of their main beer house to meet the increasing demand for their bottles and kegs. Um, and as, as as I think I said when I went up there and visited Thornbridge as, as well, it's, it's like a this is the upset Martin. It's, it's like a greatest hits tour <laughs> for me this year. Um, they've got lots of space still to expand yeah. up there, so they they can still keep going for a while. Yeah, but to dedicate extra space purely to cars, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Yeah. that shows a lot of faith in that. Yeah, you know. We're, we were, I think we're fairly much on record, and anyone who listened to what we said last week knows it as well, of being lovers of Thornbridge beer. Yeah, but I think I, I think I said either in the... It certainly wasn't in the interview that we did with Thornbridge, but it was definitely in one of the shows that we were talking about it after, that they're currently using the old brewery at Thornbridge Hall just to back up their capacity for the local demand yeah. for their cask beer. So... But the fact that they've decided to dedicate a whole brewery to, or a whole new part of the brewery just to cask. Well, to be fair, I think their cask doesn't, a lot of time, doesn't go much out of their locale, does it? No. I mean... Not some of the specials. Derbyshire in Yorkshire tends to get the bulk of the Thornbridge cask offerings. Yeah. Don't, you don't, when you see it, especially for us down south, I don't know what it's like past Yorkshire and Derbyshire, but for us down south, when I see formage on cars, I'll have it. You do tend because, to see it quite a lot more up north. Because um, you don't see it very often down here. No. Um, so the fact that there may be the possibility of them producing more, which may go a little bit further afield, is one is a bit of news that I find very pleasing. No, I, th- I think it's great. You know, all joking aside, I do think it's really good. Yeah. That they've just decided, well, you know what, we're going to focus on this part of our production. And actually what we're going to do is we're going to do it there, which actually then allows us to increase what we're doing over here. Yeah. So we're actually hitting all elements of the market. I think week by week, my love of Fulbridge grows. Yeah, I think, that again, because we, we said this last week, didn't we, that they're one of these breweries that seem to be able to do no wrong. It's very little they can do wrong. I mean, they're, they're there with Buxton, I suppose, as well, in that respect. Maybe maybe even more so to, to a certain extent. Well, yeah, because, uh, I mean, Buxton obviously do a lot less of the cast these days. Yeah. Um, Fulbridge are very single-minded about what they do, I think. Um, you know, I mean that that still that bottling plant they have. I mean, you know how 
amazing does that look? I'm sure when you saw it up close or as close as you were allowed to get to it. Yeah. And the, and the fact that it's, it's almost in a completely sterile environment yeah. as well. So, and it's, it's at the point where it's, it's so efficient that the amount of time that oxygen can actually get into the product has been reduced to an absolute minimum. Yeah. So, as well. yeah, hats off to the guys at Formbridge. Bring the cast beer down south. Absolutely. Well, maybe that will enable them to do that. I'm hoping. Who knows? Um, so, uh, as people probably heard while we were chatting there, <laughs> uh, I have just poured the next uh, beer from this particular trilogy. So this is Call Your Friends. This is a coffee double black IPA. Um, coffee s- double black? Have, I, have we ever had a double black IPA on the show? Definitely. I don't, we have I black don't, IPAs, but... Yeah, you know what? Double black IPA. What's happened to the black IPA? That's maybe a, a, a opinions for another day. <laughs> Because it was it was all the rage, wasn't it? Yeah. And then it's just disappeared. It's all about lager and pilsner. Absolutely, that's that's where it, that's where it's at now. So um, yeah, we'll talk about the because there are some really. This is one of the things I think we might mention this when we did the opinions on film. I love the amount of detail that Weird Beer put on their yes. bottles because you've got everything that you need to know here. But even without that, beer. the front of the bottle is Weird Beer. Yeah, w- without a doubt, isn't it? That still that still yeah. to me says Weird Beer straight away. Yeah, so let's um let's get stuck into this, yeah. and let's um see what we get here. More of the IPA than I the black. There's a lot of IPA on that, isn't there? Very um, very piney notes. A little bit of citrus in there. That's delicious. That's a really soft IPA. My word, that is. That is stunning. Excuse us for a moment. <laughs> that is... Again, I'm going to put this out there. If, if if I couldn't see this, I don't think I'd know this was dark. No. And I certainly wouldn't know it was 9.7. Again, yeah. But it's... I think what the, uh, the dark side is bringing to this... We're going to use the dark and light as a, as, a, as a way of describing it. I think it softens all of that IPA because you've got the pininess, you've got the citrus, but it's all soft and balanced. It's there is a nice bit of finish to yeah. it, and I'm I'm suspecting, and I'm, I'm I'm going to maybe put this one out there that I think the bitterness is coming more from the coffee that that's giving it because it's more of that oily sort of bitterness yeah. that you get rather than the resinous bitterness now I think that's fantastic let's let's just get into to a few of the notes uh, about this beer so um this was the the, the second uh, of the three beers so this was the weird beard version of it um and this so this one was obviously brewed at, at weird beard um so this was brewed with summit apollo and columbus hops for the big citrus tangerine fruit hit i'd say tick that's in there mm-hmm. um then they put in some uh Finca Las Bramas coffee in the dry hop, in with the dry hops for an edge to keep us going. And then um, this beer would go great with something with Sriracha Ace in it. And obviously we know why they've done that because of the blend that's coming. And the coffee uh, provided by our friends at Hasbeen Coffee. Yeah, so again, and uh, I think they've worked with them before and working with them in the future them as well. Lot, don't they? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I mean, that, I don't even know if that does it justice, that description. If I'm being honest, I don't think. I mean, that is simply incredible. Yeah, 
that is up there for me. List, listeners might know that I, I, I think one of my one of my highest rated, or probably the highest rated ever black IPA was um, Battle Horse from Buxton, yep. which I thought was an amazing beer. This is up there with that. This is maybe even trumping that for, for me. No, that's a praise coming from you for two reasons. One, you love a Buxton and the fact that it's Buxton. <laughs> you know, so that that's high praise indeed that somebody's matching or, or bettering what they're producing. But this is just, again, superbly drinkable. Um, but the nose was all IPA. But the dark side of the equation, I think is bringing, like you say, the, the slight bitter notes. But it's also, it's just... What's balancing out everything? Yeah, it's it's so well. I, I cannot get over how well balanced yeah. it is. It's it's there isn't a single flavour in there that is overpowering. No, it all just works together. So I mean, this is an absolute masterstroke yeah. of brewing. I mean, well, obviously the third beer is yet to come, but if these two, if this is even only the sum of its parts, the third beer, we're in for a treat. And I can't wait to get onto yeah. that. Yeah. And, and, if, and if it's better than the sum of its parts, it's going to break the untapped rating because I, I, this is already sitting at a five for me. I'm going there with that now. If that's better, where do I go with that? Oh no! I, I, oh no! I, I can't. Can I? You have to go to rate beer. No, that's not happening. But again, nine point seven percent. Yep. Doesn't drink like it, which actually lends itself very well to this week's um, discussion point. Opinions. Opinions. Op- Opinions, opinions. So we asked, um, does the trend of high ABV modern beers influence your buying choices? Now, this was a suggestion from regular listener and contributor to the show, Paul at UNRCD, who has been saying for a few weeks now he would love to see us tackle a show about ABVs, which we've wanted to do for a long time, but we've struggled with what's the question that we want to ask about it. And so we finally settled on this one in terms of, are you influenced by yeah, having a beer? Yeah, I mean, beer? the question just wasn't easy because, you know, I, it, we wanted it to be a simple yes or no, effectively. Yeah. But not just saying, do you like high ABV? Do you not like high ABV? It was, it was actually quite, I think it was quite hard to pitch the question to start off with. It was, but we seem to have done a good job because, as, as always, we've had loads of uh, amazing responses. So we had 408 votes this week, 59% of people saying no, 41% of people saying yes. So actually quite close. As close as it was. It started off very high on no. Yeah. And actually, at the beginning, within the first 50 or so votes, it was yes that was in front. Yeah. So there was, there was a definite swing. That's ended up closer than I thought it was going to be and closer than it's been for a large part of the day as well. Yeah. That's quite, that is quite interesting. How many, sorry, how many votes did you say? 408. Yeah? So, oh, okay. least, decent, decent number of people yeah, getting involved. It's a fair, fair representation on the numbers then. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know what? This week, I want to start with our views. For okay. Months because I've I've got, unsurprisingly, some quite <laughs> strong views on, on, on yeah. this one. So, I'm going to start yeah. as, as, as well. Go on, Steve. So, what do you think? Thank you. If you could have voted, first of all. If, if I could have voted, um, I would have said yes. Um, the uh, the ABV of a beer does influence my buying choices and, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to reference back to an event that I was at quite recently and I think I said this on the show after it at the time I went up to Manchester for Manchester Beer Week I went to the Pilcrow Summer Beer thing went to the Friday afternoon session and struggled to find anything lower than 7% 
Now, for a Friday afternoon at a beer festival, you need something covers. I wanted to come in a little bit lower and start working my way up. Yep. Instead, what I decided to do was ended up doing the barrel aged anagram at fourteen percent, which was just ridiculous. Okay, so you thought, well, fuck it. If it's seven <laughs> percent, yeah. If I'm going in, I'm going in I'm hard. Going in, yeah, I'm going <laughs> in with both feet. But it's, I think, so. I suppose for me, I, I'm not influenced when <coughs> I'm buying to drink at home because I think I think you drink differently at home from what you do when you're at a festival or that's a just pub. what I was going to ask you because you referenced a very specific festival there yeah and yes so in your head you're thinking okay I've turned up in early afternoon I'm out for the day I've fairly much got a, maybe a 10 hour window yeah head. then yes your buying would quite in my head quite rightly be influenced by the I actually want to enjoy the whole day, and so I've got. It's almost I need to to start. I need I need something below five percent, and then I was I was actually going to ask you there, but is that how you approach your uh, stuff? You're just going to drink at home whenever you feel like it. No, because I will. You know, I I will purchase beers that that I see online or that I want to buy, and I'll I'll put them in the fridge, and I might plan an evening's drinking around the beers that I've got, knowing that I'm going to start off with something at the 4 or 5% end of the scale, maybe have a couple of those, and then I'm going to gradually move up during the evening. And I will always, if, if I'm planning a drinking session at home, I, I will always build up in ABV yes. to, to something. And generally, if I know it's going to be a good session as well, I'm going to have something really special. Yeah. For, which for is fair enough. Which is going to be double digits and it's going to be dark. Yes. That's that's how I approach it. But when I'm out, and it, it didn't just it hasn't just happened at the the, the Pilco Festival, it it happened to me. I'm pretty pretty sure it happened to me at Indie Man last year as well, where I went in on one of the sessions, and I just wanted just wanted to start off gently, and I just couldn't find anything that was lower than seven percent. And it, it does seem as though to me it seems as though there's a trend at the moment to to brew high ABV beers. Yeah, I suppose it's where we pitch. Again, this is coming to the interpretation of the question: What's a high ABV these days? I mean, twenty years ago, clearly, if you drank anything over five percent, you're on a session to get drunk. Yeah. So if you were a lager drinker and you were going for your Stella or your Cronenberg, you were on a session. That was it. That's there was no argument about that. You're out. You would you would end up drunk because you were drinking pints of five percent plus beer, and people assumed it anyway straight away. Um, obviously the way we drink or the way that you and I the people we we, we know the listeners drink has slightly changed um, we may not have pints all the time for starters you know that's, that's something which is fairly new but I still like to start off like Saturday's an example I knew at the at Clayfest we would have some big beers yeah. someone would have bring, bought some big beers yeah that was me 10% but still I knew that I wanted to start off quite sessionable. Oakham Citra, 4.2. Um, okay, Magic Rock High Wise over five, but then I had two pints of the Spear Destiny from, from Andy, which was yeah. under five again. Because I knew it was going to be a long day, and there's no point in going too big too early, because as much as I might enjoy those two big too early beers, I'm then going to go home early. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I want to you... enjoy it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if we're probably not that dissimilar, actually. I mean, when I'm out, 
especially if I'm going to a festival or it's, I know it's going to be a, a bit of a day, I will do my utmost to start fairly sensibly, just to give myself a fighting chance, if nothing else. But also, I don't, I like, and, and this is where my love of cask probably helps. I think the low ABV beers definitely lend themselves more to cask dispense than keg, a lot of the time. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that, and because uh, of that little bit of additional body, um, the the way it's kept, the way it's delivered. I think high ABV on cask, you don't really get that much anyway. Um, high ABV on keg, I think, can be work wonderfully well. I think the only beer I think that works well on both at the same ABV is probably Trexanoma. <laughs> to reference it again, sorry listeners, yeah. but we, we did try it on both both versions and I thought the keg was just if as amazing, if not better than the cask version. They're both yeah. under 5%, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so, yeah. And, and there were a few listeners that actually referenced that as well when they were, they were coming back to this week's poll. Yeah. A, a few people actually once again referenced Traxanoma. So I would say, yeah, I, my buying choices are different when I'm out drinking there and then yeah. and having a bit of a day versus the beers I'll have at home. But I still like to have what I would class as still fairly sensible, sessionable beers in the fridge. Something I can just put my hand in the fridge and grab not think about it so a bit like your uh, your Northern Monk for you or your Korev from St. Yeah, Paul's yeah. that you can get at the supermarket I still like that when I'm at home but yeah I'll do the same as you if I'm planning a bit of a session I'll finish on that big beer but what, what about just taking this on off on a slight skew before we come to, to, to the listeners views this week what about the, the kind of current trend of brewing 9% plus beers that taste like fruit juice and drink like fruit juice. I'd rather they didn't. If I'm being honest, I, I've I found some of them fascinating, um, but I, sh- I I I'm not. I'll say it here on air. My palate is not developed enough to be able to pick out the nuances between one brewer's fruit bomb and another brewer's fruit bomb. And if you put them side by side, I'll say it's the same drink a lot of the time. Do, do they need to be such high ABV though? Why do they need to be 9% plus? Yeah, I don't think you need to be... Because, I mean, the big body from a lot of these ones, and let's be honest, we're talking about the New England type of style, comes a lot... The big body, a lot of it doesn't come from the alcohol. It's from what they put into the boil, isn't it? It's from, like, adding your oats. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what gives you that very thick mouthfeel, um, which, again, lends itself to your juice, which you have all the pith in it, um, and, you know, that kind of feel to it, almost a smoothie. Yeah, yeah. I don't need it in every beer and I don't need the... I might even be more pleasantly surprised if they did them lower ABV. I think for low ABV, the uh, thicker body works quite well. So it's absolutely, absolutely, yeah, I'd like it to sit at that level. Because, yeah. you know, your 4 or 5% beers can be a bit thin sometimes if not done brilliantly well. But at least if you add that little bit of body to it, you're thinking there's a bit more going on. It, hold, it feels like it holds the flavour a bit more. I don't think you need every, every new fruity New England IPA release to be between 8 and 9% and to be murky and fruity for me it becomes the same beer I think it was earlier on this year it was Mark Johnson wasn't it who was saying he was he was on a train from Manchester to Leeds and he was smashing human cannonball like it was water yeah but that's probably most people's preferred version of human cannonball I think yeah this year but even so it's it's still a big beer it is still Uh, a big beer what was um, it? 8% human cannibal? 9%? Probably 9%. Yeah. I mean, yeah. cannibal is 7.4? Yeah. 
Um, I'm looking at you here, Steve, as yes. you might have had one or two no, in the past. No, no. Uh, yeah, um, a couple, mate. So no, I, I think, you know, I, it's a bit of a tangent, but I don't need them all to be like that. But I think that for me, my buying choices are influenced by ABV, but where I am and what I'm doing influences my ABV choice. Yes, com- completely agree with that. And, and I think a, a lot of the comments that we had this week kind of reflected that a little bit as well. So before we get into those, uh, we're almost done with this this beer bloody amazing call your friends coffee double black IPA collab between Weird Beard and Time and Tide I'm putting this out there now for those people that follow our monthly Facebook beers of the month there's a good chance that one two or three <laughs> of these beers may appear it's possible th- I can do the month. can and cake can and glass bottle selection can't you, I? you can because you always have two yeah. uh, you can't stick to the parameters of which you're given for, for that particular... <laughs> I, I rebel against the control Steve tries to exert. But I'm, I'm also going to go, probably take it a little bit further and say it's probably one of the best beers I've had this year. Oh, easily. Easily. It's just so bloody drinkable. I mean, it's it's hard to quite describe it because you, it's just got a bit of everything in it, but a bit of everything that works. Yeah. I mean, I've just taken a massive last swig of that. And I'm getting all that orangey citrus fruitiness in there, little bit of resinous in there, hints of pine, and then there's this bitter finish that's got just a slight hint of roasted flavours working its way through there from the coffee. But all in the background. And it, But it's just so well balanced. Yeah, it's not one of those back IPAs where you know straight away from the nose, someone's roasted something here. No. Well, well, that was what surprised me because I, I thought it's, it's a coffee double black IPA. First thing I'm going to get when I stick my nose in that is coffee. Nope. Not there. It, it was more the double IPA bit. And it, it wasn't there at all. Even as it began to warm, the coffee still didn't come through. Yeah. I mean, obviously by the time anyone tries to listen to this, we'll have ordered the whole stock anyway. Absolutely. There's none of this available yeah. anywhere. But we can now. tell you it's lovely. Yes. So, so try and get your hands on that. So um, let's get... I'll tell you what. I'm going to pour the last beer. So do you want to start getting stuck into to some of the comments? Yeah. I mean, we we, we did have some really good comments, actually. Um, let's, let's, I'll just run a few in order. So we had uh, from a, a friend of the Essex Bottle Share who's currently travelling around the world and still engaging with us online. Um, James at Bungletron. Huge ABV beers might make all the news, but they're not huge sellers. Still plenty of folk who'll swerve anything over, say, 5.5%. Now, I would say that in some local pubs, anything over 4.5%. Well, we've spoken about this before, haven't yeah. we? When we've spoken about um, Sean's pub yeah. up, up in Halstead, who obviously Sean, a member of the Essex Bottle Share, until... I don't know if he's moved up north yet or whether he's going soon, but he is moving. But he's always said that about his locals. You put anything on over 5%, they're not interested. Yeah, it don't sell. Yeah. It definitely doesn't sell in pints quickly like all the other beers do. So that, I think that's a good point. Um, I'm sorry, mate. I'm just sat here and the nose coming off of this as I'm pouring. Okay. No, I'm pretty... Uh, just for the listeners, I'm the only one who has to put up with Steve's face right now as he's pouring his beer and smelling it. Uh, Sophie Grunwell at Scofie G90. I choose a bit on a beer description, then see the ABV. Quite often, I've chosen all the highest ABVs. Makes festivals interesting. Well, she obviously didn't do the same sort of planning as you. No, I see. I just don't think you can go in 
hitting the high ABVs at beer festivals. Well, you can, it? but then what happened to you at Copenhagen last year? You're going to go down in 45 <laughs> minutes or, or less. Uh, Simon Clark at Simon Carbon. When I'm drinking out, yes. When I'm buying at the bottle shop for home drinking, no, which fairly much echoes yeah. what we said. Uh, Kevin McLean at KJO2MCL. So thanks for that one. I find myself preferring lower ABV so I can have more in an evening without the after effects. Higher ABV is good for sharing hashtag opinions. Absolutely. And um, we find that at the bottle share, don't we? That yeah. we get a lot of big high ABV beers, but we know we're only getting a taster of yes. them. Yes, because if you have a 750 beer, let's say it's a 750 MP out, yeah, as much as you might enjoy it, that would take quite a while to work through at home. Yeah. it's one of Those sort of beers are perfect for sharing, aren't they? That they are, and... I suppose coming back to my experiences of doing 12 beers of Christmas every year most of those are big beers that that I've been holding on to and yeah you sit there at the beginning of the evening and think brilliant I've got 750 mils of a bastard barrel aged stout that's going to be like 15% I'm really looking forward to it two hours later you're still only halfway through the bottle and you're like I wish I had time to share (laughs) this with there's a lot to go here (laughs) yeah uh, Bushcraft at Bushcraft Beer yes I've gone off super high ABV double IPAs and triple IPAs anything over 7% I start questioning my buying choices except for a fuss beer of course that's interesting does that mean that, is that the bet you see hashtag hype so yeah so if it's if it's a beer that everybody's hyping and that you have to drink he goes for it you go for it yeah um, see I, I stopped that a while back well uh, and then obviously from the person who inspired the question Paul at UNRCD I just think that most hyped beers seem to always be at the high end of the ABV scale, which is another reason I like. I think it depends. Reason I like, I think it depends on people's drinking behaviours. If you're on a night out, you can't session eight percent beers. If you have two or three, you can. See, see, I think a lot of these comments are just echoing. A lot of people are saying the same sort of thing. Yeah. that you just can't session big ABV beers. Yeah. And even we've spoken about it before. Our version of session has changed. Oh, it's it's certainly moved up. I, it's, it's up. I'd say my my session ABV, it, all joking aside, probably sits at between five and six and a half. Yeah. I, well, that's, uh, one of the drinks I had on Saturday was Magic Rock Highwire, and that's five and a half percent. And I think nothing of ordering pint of that. Yeah. And I would think nothing of having another pint of it. But like I said, reference back twenty years ago, when I'm drinking macro lagers and I'm drinking Stella out with mates. Oh, blimey, you're on Stella. Oh, yeah. What's the difference? Exactly, yeah. So what have we poured, Steve, just to take a little break? Okay, so yeah, we can we can take a break there now, from the comments because we are on to the, 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 the final instalment of the trilogy, which, which as we know is always the best. We all, in, everyone loves a good trilogy, don't they? In, instalment of the trilogy. This is Crossing Over. So again, from Weird Beard and Time and Tide, this is a reverse black and tan. Interestingly, the last two of the drinks, the first one we had from Time and Tide, 330ml can. The second one um, from Weird Beard, 330ml bottle. This is a nice big 660ml bottle from the, the, the pair of them, obviously in Weird Beard packaging. So this is essentially, it's a blend of the two beers. It's a 50-50 blend of the two beers. So let's tuck in. Let, I'm not going to read anymore no, don't because I don't anymore. want to be influenced by cheers. it. But cheers. Now straight away on the nose and the initial taste, 
reminds me of beer number one. Yes, absolutely. It's got the white stout bit. That's the dominant beer. Start to start off with. To start off with, it may develop, but that's def the white stout is definitely leading at the moment. Yeah, this is the first one for me. <clears throat> Again, nine point seven percent. This one, um, I'm getting a slight burn. Really? On on the end of this one. Not getting it at the moment. Just it's not massive. It's just a hint just there, coming through at the end. Now I don't know whether that's because maybe more of the roasted notes coming through, maybe the the, the coffee profile of the white stout is ramping up the coffee in the double black IPA that we didn't really get. Or it's our third nine point seven percent beer. Or it's our third nine point seven percent beer, which brings us nicely back into some, <laughs> some more comments. So um, some of the other comments we've had this week. So Edward Shaw at Doctor Shaw sixty nine uh, I think there are too many average beers hiding behind a big ABV. Now, there was a similar comment to yeah. that um, from Justin Mason at, uh, at 1970s Boy, which Justin is back. Yeah. It's, we haven't heard from him for months. We haven't heard and, from him for months. And now, now we, he's back. We weren't sure he was alive. Yeah. We, we, maybe someone had plastered him behind some wallpaper yeah Who some knows? soft furnishings yeah um, I heard it said that you can hide a mess in a high ABV beer whereas a balanced well rounded low ABV beer takes skill and precision so what do you think of uh, what do you think of those two comments well I would go let's go back to to Edward Shaw's first of all Dr Shaw 69 too many average beers hiding behind a big ABV and I think that sort of takes us back to what we were saying a few minutes ago about the Big fruity New England IPAs. Yeah, I'm not really sure how good they are. If I'm being absolutely honest, because until I had these big murky fruit bombs, I didn't really have a reference point for them anyway. And I don't understand why every New England IPA has to be around nine percent, whereas apparently you can do a really good West Coast IPA between six and seven. I've heard you can do a really good West Coast IPA at seven point two percent and make it clear <laughs> and use it. As a chaser. Um, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and it comes in green. And it, and it comes in green. So it'll be and, in Steve's um, pub. Probably a good point there just to <laughs> apologise to a lot of the listeners for last week's... Nothing to apologise for, mate. ...debacle as I got slowly more <laughs> slurry as, as the episode went on. Um, but but yeah, it's, I mean, they're interesting comments, point. aren't they? I mean, it's a valid point because, the, you know, when you first started drinking, let's, let's assume me and you fairly much similar... Often our first beer was macro lager. You had it cold. So the same could be applied to that, that you can hide a lot behind cold. The same as you can have really cold white wine. That was my first wine experience because I just went, well, it's cold. I can't really taste it now. Yeah. But I can drink it and it's 14% and I might end up a bit pissed. Whereas, you know, bringing Edward Shaw's comments into Justin's comment, you can hide a mess in a high ABV, ties in with that. But yes, a well-rounded low ABV beer takes skill and precision. That's not to take away anything from the fact that a lot of high ABV beers have the same skill because these three we're having tonight have undoubtedly had a lot of skill applied to them. Oh, absolutely. And, and we said that earlier, yeah. on, didn't we? That, that there has to be a skill involved in producing three beers that are part of a series that are all at exactly the same ABV yes. as well. That doesn't happen by mistake. No. So there's a lot of work gone into this. Yeah. Um, but I do agree with the comments that you, you can probably get away with a bit more because you haven't got anything to hide behind. I mean, I think we we start to get a few more bits, didn't we, saying, uh, although um, a counterpoint to that was from, again, from James at Bungletron. 
how many times have you heard beer X used to be better when they but they lowered the ABV and ruined it? I mean, that's happened to our beers in the past. I don't, it, I don't think it's ever, ever happened to any of the beers that I love. It's probably more on cask where that's happened. The, the only ones that really spring to mind are, are again, maybe some of your macro ones. So Stella went down a, a couple Well, of, they've got a 4% version yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, Caffrey's they they had to bring down because people and, and I was one of them back in the days when Caffrey's first came out uh, over five percent people would go out and smash that and get absolutely arsehole yeah and they're, they're, I think Caffrey's now sits at about four percent because they had to bring it down because it was just so damn drinkable no one's saying and that's not saying that it's good but it was just drinkable it was easy it was one of the first smooth flows yeah um, so yeah I think I, I don't know obviously you change the ABV of a beer and, and yes it's going to change what that beer tastes like Yeah, because you've, you've had to do whatever you have to do to, to reduce the ABV in, I think it would take a lot of skill to do, to do both yeah um, the flip side of that though and, and, and the next one's an interesting yeah. thing because this is something that you've said before so Craft Beer Channel at the Beer Channel says it always amazes me how people question a 9% beer but don't bat an eyelid at a 15% red wine it's just beers old and changing image and I do agree with that. I know I have said it before, both privately and publicly, that even when I did the beer and wine thing at work, so we're actually matching them against yeah. each other. But any time a beer got over six or seven percent, it, it became a big beer. Whereas all the wines were autom- were straight away were thirteen plus. So when 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 you did that, did you do the same size? pause of like same size measures of the drinks as well yeah I mean we purposely chose the same sort of effectively we used wine glasses so you do, if you go to a wine tasting it's like 125 milliliter glasses so not yeah. the flutes just little wine tasters and we lined them up the same same sort of measures so that people could get a fair comparison and again what I was trying to do was to challenge that preconception that anything over a certain percentage on beer was automatically strong it's not um, but even when we did the Goose Island, 14.5%, which, yes, is a big beer, is a strong beer, has lots going on. People mentioned the percentage of that, but didn't mention the percentages of the 15% Rioja. That's that's really... I mean, that's just perception, isn't it, that only wines and spirits should be that high ABV. Yeah, yeah straight away, oh, that beer's strong, not, oh, that wine's strong. Yeah, but have you tasted the beer and does it taste strong? Yeah. Because if we come back to... The call your friends, and the the white cell. To be fair, neither of those tasted nine point seven percent. Now I I don't know if it's the beer that's slowly getting to me. The blend does taste nine point seven percent. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna had another sip of it while you were talking there. And yes, there is a bit of a bit of a boozy hit at the back end of it. Very pleasant. And at least it's, it is actually headlining itself now. Absolutely. Saying, I'm a bit stronger. The first yeah. two didn't at all. The two together are definitely headlining it saying, I'm a bit stronger. You can imagine this one. This one, I can imagine sitting around a bit longer. And taking your time to drink this one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, I'm, and to be fair, I'm now glad I'm sharing a 660 meal of this because yes. you'd struggle with this on your own, I think. Yeah, I think that boozy feel would just carry yeah. on coming yeah. as well. Um, let's just take uh, maybe one or two more comments from this week. So, Claypot Frog Porridge at Clayfish 
Uh, I answered yes, but then the thought when I thought about it more, and it's not when I buy, but how and when I drink it that the ABV exerts its influences. Yeah, which um, I think um, someone else said. I think Riverman Brew said something similar, saying you know there's many a time the eleven percent in stout has not been taken out of the out of the cellar on a school night. And I think that's probably what Clayton's referencing yeah. there. Like anyone who knows Clayton, he's got a couple of dogs. He has dog walking beers. Yep. Typically, the dog walking beer will be something like a dead pony. But it will range. I've he's yeah. Uh, he's gone up. He has. Yeah. But dead pony is one of the definitely one of the yes, popular dog walking yeah. beers at under four percent. Um, so yeah, I think that's actually a really good point because. Um, that sort of ties in with what uh, Wayne Beer Snob, Irish Beer Snob said, no, not at all. If I like the look and sound of a beer, I'll buy it regardless of ABV, some great low and high ABV stuff being made too. And that sort of ties in that rather than thinking about it at point of sale, you're thinking about it when you're actually gonna have it. Yeah. Because which... I've, I've got a fridge which has got hardly any low session ABV beers at the moment, and I've got a cellar in inverted commas as ever, which has no, un- which I don't think has anything under 5% right now. But let's we'll bring that full circle back to our initial comments in, in terms of that depends on where you are and, and, and what you're buying beer for. So, so so if you're out, you might have a slightly different approach or if you're planning an evening of drinking at home, you, you know what you've got in your various storage okay. I areas. Can, I can do a direct contrast tonight. Uh, my old boss messaged me this evening and said, do you want to have a quick beer? So we met at Old Doctor Butler's Head, Shepherd Neen Pub. I had two pints of Whitstable Bay, which is around about four percent. I've come over here to record the show and having three nine point sevens. I would not have had three point nine percent nine point sevens if I'd been in the pub before I got the train. Well, of course not, because you knew. Well, obviously, because I'm professional, I knew I was recording. But even if I hadn't been, I probably still would have done it. Just yeah. because, you know, again, it's the wrong for me. It wasn't that time about doing it. It was about just having a beer and having a chat. But again, to, to reference an experience that we've mentioned a few times on, on previous podcasts, the night that we uh, went out with guys from Riverman Brews and we hit the Craft Beer Co and there was Colonel IPA on, <laughs> 6.7, and we were we swam in it, it like it was water. Yes, yeah. yes, we did do that. Um, but yeah, maybe a, a couple more comments. One from um, Beanovo, at Beanovo. It's not that beers are too strong, it's just that there aren't enough lower strength ones. This also drives the idea that craft is more dot 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 expensive. A pub's board may have a couple of traditional lower strength at a lower price, but then all the stronger craft is much more. That's um, a really interesting point from Steve there. In in, in terms of when when you go into a pub and you see a different selection, it does always tend to be using the air quotes again. Yeah. The craft. Yeah beers that always do seem to be a little bit more expensive oh all the time I think it's pretty consistent isn't it yeah I mean, to be honest uh, I mean King's Arms the other weekend certainly had a bit, I mean I know they had much bigger ABV but the prices are considerably more and they often do them in obviously non-pint measures prices as well don't they but yeah I think there's been some fairly we, I think we actually got quite a lot of engagement about this um, I think with people's what, opinions yeah. um, most people seem to be very much on the although the, the yes and no was quite close together I think most people are fairly well aligned about their, their choices and how they make their choices it's, yeah I, I, I think that there, there was a lot of similarities in what people yeah. were saying 
Um, maybe not to the point of, you, you know, like I say, sometimes I do feel as though I, I go out for a beer and I, I do sometimes stand in front of a board and think, I just want something a little bit lower. Yeah, I just want something I can drink. Than what I'm seeing. Yeah. Um, but again, that lends itself to the where you are, when you are kind of thing, isn't it? Which yeah. is what we start, started yeah. off with at the start. But thank you to uh, to Paul at UNRCD for the question. Um, and thank you everyone for engaging. It was some really good points came out of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. You can still get involved if you want. Use the hashtag opinions and, and we'll continue to uh, chat about this one online. So uh, let's, let's come back to some more views about this beer. I'm going to um, now get into um, the tasting notes on the bottle. So... Um, what they're saying here is blackberry, red grape, red grape, currants and plum jump out in the aroma like stewed fruits. Vine fruit flavours carry into the taste, muddling with soft sweet licorice, giving a delicious cordial of juicy ribena. As the beer warms, dustings of cocoa rich in the beer's profile and the coffee creeps out. I'm still going to stick with the, the white stout is the predominant beer in this. I think the white stout over. And, and I wonder whether that's the... Serratiace exerting its power and it has a lot of power Serratiace it does yeah um, I don't know for me it's just on the nose second beer all IPA first beer was those slightly roasty toasty nicely well balanced notes and that's what I'm getting from this and that's also what I'm getting at the back end of it as well for me the, the double black IPA isn't as prominent no, it's it's very much in the background. As it's begun to warm, it's it is softening a little bit. It's becoming a little bit sweeter. I'm still getting a lot of the roasted bitterness, and there is still a little bit of a burn for for me on yeah. this one. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is quite strange because there was no burn on the first two beers. Yeah, it's, that's interesting, isn't it? So something together, something's happened there something's that's working. made yeah. that. It feels this feels like a bigger beer. This feels like a boozier beer. Yes, straight away. If you were if yeah. you were drinking this blind, you'd know this was a big ABV. Yes, you wouldn't with the other two. No, uh, absolutely. Um, okay, so while we finish this, um, let's see what our listeners have been saying this week. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. So, um, almost a second opinions in itself here. Uh, Lou on Brew at Lou on Brew says, she feels like she has an opinions brewing about glasses included in the Enterprise, and this may take several tweets. Uh, I get why organisers include glasses as it adds perceived value to often expensive entry price. And obviously you need something to hold your beer. But when you go to as many festivals as me, your cupboards creak under the weight of unwanted glasses. I'm having issues with my carbon footprint. Glasses are not suitable for household recycling. So much waste, I've taken to leaving them behind so they're not on my conscience. Thoughts? Um, I thought it was a really interesting uh, set of tweets. Um... And I hadn't thought about it quite a lot because I'm, although I had got a number of uh, glasses now that were included as the entry price, and typically, inverted commas, craft beer festivals tend to be the ones which are included in the price. Um, as a camera member and a long time ago to camera beer festivals, you do have the option of cashing in your glass at the end of the festival. So yeah. whatever your price is, say typically it's about three quid, you can give it back, get your three quid back no problem it's not an inclusive price you don't have to take it with you um, and typically with craft beer glasses 
they take up a lot of room for a small glass because they don't stack, they don't hang, they're tulips, tecus, craft master ones. Whatever the poncy glass of the moment is. Exactly. Yeah. And it takes up an inordinate amount of room for actually not much glass. Um, I would rather you had an option to get something back for it or you had the option to pay for it or even, you know, just have a plastic glass while you're there or something. So if you don't want to have the glass as part of it, you have a different, slightly different price structure. Or, or maybe to reference festival that we're going to this weekend where you can take your own tankard. Yes. And you get it for free. Or, uh, or you, you get, get a free beer. You get a free beer. You get a free beer. First first yeah. beer is free if you take your yeah. own tankard, which I'll be dusting off my tankard. I washed it last night. Red, red mine's over there. It's ready to be washed, yeah. Um, but it's, an, it's, an, it's definitely an interesting point. And if there's one word I would have underlined in this, um, it's the perceived yes. value that they always trumpet this includes your entrance and your glass and your program and you've paid your 15 or 20 quid yeah it's almost like when you go to a concert it's like buying the merch isn't yeah. it you've, you've got the branded thing I mean I, I had it when I went to the, the summer beer thing at the Peel Crow uh, where I simply didn't didn't want any more glasses and, and on the second day I came out and then I went back to the entrance and said what do I do with my glasses and I was like oh you take those home and I was like no I don't want to what do I do with them? And I was like, oh, we'll take them here and we'll wash them. And and what I've actually seen since then is the Pilcro are actually using what were the festival glasses as now their glassware in the pub. Yeah. So they're, they're just naturally recycling those glasses, which I think is great. And and yes, I'm at a point now where unless it's... As, a, long, as, as long as you haven't paid for the glass and they're still keeping it. No, you haven't paid for the glass. Yeah. It came in with a ticket price, yeah. like, like Lou's saying there. But I'm at the point now where maybe unless it's, unless it's the first time I go to a festival... And it's a festival that I really want to go to and I really want to have the physical memory of being there yeah. is now the only time that I will keep a glass. Largely, recently, you've been making me go to more of these is it camera festivals. Cask beer festivals. Cask, that's it. And generally, I tend to leave my glass behind. Because Fair like enough. you say, you, you, you pay for it and you get your money back if you yeah. give it back. And the Manchester Beer Festival did it earlier in the year. Yeah, yeah, I think you actually regretted giving regret that back giving in. giving it back, yeah. Because I did, I did give that back in so I had more money to spend when we left. Yeah, which we didn't need to because we no. had had enough beer. No, but so I thought that was, a, that was a really, really good point from Lou and it'd be quite interesting to hear what anyone else thinks about that one. Again, yeah, just let us know. Use hashtag opinions and, and get involved in that one. Um, Kat Seal at Katrina's... Um, Found herself thinking about the 12 beers of Xmas last night. Looking forward to drawing the numbers out of a hat again. Hashtag too early. Yes. Um, hashtag yes. Uh, hashtag no. It's too early. I I've, know you've already got a list. I've untapped. had an untapped list since March. Ever since ever since they created Ever the since they created lists, list, yeah. So um, if anybody is already thinking about their 12 beers of Christmas, please let me know because I'd love to know that it's not just oh. Cat and I that are thinking about it. And then finally this week, and this is one of my favourite tweets... Of all time. This is from Toy House Brewery at Toy House Brew. Just catching up. Re-marble pint cans. Green King have been selling slop and calling it IPA for years. Hashtag trading standards. That did make me chuckle, that one. <laughs> that did make me chuckle. But I'm going to dive in here. The word slop. Can I stop having slop in my fucking cans, please? Oh, you've you've got really upset about this in this yeah, last week, haven't you? I have, because the brewery in question hasn't answered any of my tweets, any of my direct emails, any of my subtle messages, and it's really pissed me off. But what's pissing me off more is that it's happening more and more. 
But this, okay, so let's let's go to the first point. The, the brewery in question has got to be one of only a few breweries because it's a complete pull-off lid, isn't it? It is a pull-off lid. The, the picture that you took was of, you could see right into the yeah, bottom of the Yeah, it was a London beer factory. Okay, there you go. Just to be clear. Um, and it was murky at the bottom. Now, I got challenged by it about about the murk, but in a can, I can't see the murk. I can't see slop at the bottom. I can't see yeast at the bottom. I can't see anything. It's in a can because the can has been designed to not let light strike through. Don't put shit in my can, please. It's happening far too often now. And you can be as careful as you want, but why should I have to be? There's no other product I pour into a glass, pour into a bowl, put on a plate, but if it comes out with shit at the bottom, I don't go, that's bollocks and take it that's, back. Yeah, that's wrong. No, no I, can, I can see what you're saying there. And I know there's been a few examples um, with some cans at the beginning of the year um, and it's still happening in some bottles as well yeah. I know in this past week Matt Curtis called out Brewdog and Cloudwater over the amount of in the, uh, crap that was the version on. 2 of the New England but yeah. at, at least there's a fighting chance of seeing it but I, not see, so I, don't, I don't think there is now no, maybe not, not, with not, the, the not with the New England style at least a starter but in a can there's no chance yeah and yes, you could put a little bit of a marker on the side, but still, cans are so busy these days with the amount of uh, real estate they've got on the front and side of the cans that it's actually quite hard to spot facts sometimes. Yes, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I would just rather they didn't have it in there. Just just brew good beer. That's, yeah, uh, brew again, good beer and give me 330 millilitres or 440 or 500 of just liquid. And, and let's take the three beers that we're enjoying tonight as examples. There's been no... There's no shit in there. Exceptional crap. Not exceptional. Additional crap. Extraneous? <laughs> there, there might have been exceptional crap flying around <laughs> in the beers, but we would never have known. Did you mean extraneous? Uh, oh, I don't know. No, additional. See, I've been, I've been spending too long with Pete now. I'm just using well, big well, words. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> um, have you been smirched? <laughs> I don't think we've besmirched anyone here this week. I don't know, you maybe just besmirched the brewery there. Um, but but yeah, so... Um, but I'd love to hear what anyone else thinks because I'm not saying it makes it a bad beer, but I want 330 millilitres of liquid if I pay for it. Yeah. And so, yeah, still still using the hashtag opinions. That's how you get in touch with us, guys. Uh, if you've got comments about anything we do on the show or anything that you're drinking or anywhere you've been, just use the hashtag opinions and we'll pick it up and we'll include it in the Bittering Linganist segment of the show. So, mate, I'm guessing I've got to give up my big box of nothing that I was so pleased to win last week. And well-deserved, okay? So for anyone who thought it was a fix... Trust me, it was more painful for me to announce that on air <laughs> that Steve had won it. Okay. So, so who who am I giving the box over to this week, mate? It's going. I think it's actually going back to the person who'd won it the week before. Oh, it is not. So I think it's going back up to, as he would call it, God's country, um, Gammon Baron, and I believe it's a picture of a can. I think maybe one of the Northern Monk patrons product project. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, managed to do a black and white. It's almost like a negative image um, of the sunlight looking on through the, with the can, glass, foliage, trees. You'll you'll all see it, but that one caught my eye quite early on, and nothing peaked it at all. So it's going back up north. I've I've got to say this this season, James. That's that's his name, isn't it? At, at Gavin Barrett. Oh yeah, he's got a real name. Has been absolutely nailing his imagery. Yes, his, his beer imagery is just you know even if you take the 
that the prize this prize out of it um what he's been doing with some of his pictures is, is just really stunning so yeah, you don't follow one, James make sure you should, you should. You but should. that one that one really for me yeah. the, 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 the negative aspect of it well it just works so well with that cam yeah yeah, that's what it was I think if you had a different kind of cam with different kind of artwork it would have worked at all yeah no, that, but that works yeah um, so if you want to have a go at wrestling the uh, the big box of nothing off of James and if you do wrestle it off of him next week you're going to keep it for the summer as well yeah you've got it for the it, whole it, summer because you have a big box to yourself it's the season finale next week but uh, just put your picture on Instagram use hashtag cheers guys and if it's one that Martin loves the most you will get the big box of summer for Big box of summer. <laughs> You'll get the big box of nothing for the summer. It's like taking the school hamster home for, for the school holidays. That's that's what you get. And it, hoping you won't be dead when you bring it back. Essentially, yes. Um, so as I mentioned, next week is our season finale. Uh, I can't believe we've got to this point again already. I know. This is the end of season three, isn't it? It's the end of season three, and it's episode 39 of Opinions. So by the time we come back for the next full season, we'll have been doing this stuff for a year. It will, it's our, it'll be our year's anniversary, and so we better make sure that You'll be coming to the start really of your sixth year. Well, actually, this show that we recall this week would have normally been the Beer O'Clock Show birthday show. Oh really? Because it always coincides with my youngest son's birthday. Ah, so, so cool. Yeah. Which one? Which one do you remember? Sorry, I shouldn't ask. <laughs> no, no, you shouldn't ask that. Um, <laughs> the answer so, might so, be yeah. there. In the season finale next week, I think we're going to be talking about uh, kind of rare and limited edition beers. Maybe a beer that you've had once that you know you're never going to get again. And what was that beer? So we we're kind of preempting this one a little bit. Yeah. This but do week we know because, what beers we're having yet? Have, uh, have we decided? No, I think we're going to just keep. Keep it Keep under, under wraps, wraps for now. For, for now, but they will be. It's probably fair to say they'll be fairly limited edition beers that you're never going to get the opportunity to drink again. To, okay, to and is, it, is it you know is it worth flagging up what we're doing during the summer, Steve? I, I think I think we should. Um, we've got uh, a couple of shows coming out in the summer. Why you and I are having a very well earned, very rest. well deserved break. Although we do have our first ever, as I named it today, the first ever Opinion Summer Summit, where, <laughs> where you and I are going to drink a lot of beer and talk about what the, show, what the show is going to sound like next. Um, we've got uh, the first show that you'll be getting during the summer is the next iteration of Opinions on Films. Yeah where we're going to be enjoying uh, a box of beers from Hippo Beers. We'll release details about how you get hold of that box as soon as possible. And we're going to be enjoying those while watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, so anyone who wants to join in, you must already have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. If you haven't, watch it. Yeah, and we are going early with that one this time. So we're going to do that early on in August. Yeah. So you've got a chance to get hold of the box, early doors, and then you can drink along. To, to what we're doing and then I think we've already mentioned it tonight the other summer show that we're putting out is the Fullers yep so, um, so, so Steve's tour interview whole morning spent at Fullers yep which was not a wasted morning at all and it does it, it didn't sound like experience. it so I think yeah everyone you really should listen to that one like yep. I said ignore the bit about Steve uh, <laughs> uh, the bit with Georgina is excellent um, and you've only got here what I'm going to say now for two more shows 
Um, we are still running a survey, <laughs> and I've remembered what the survey is about this week <laughs> because couldn't last week. Uh, but we are we're, we're still running the listener survey. It's important to to share your views with us, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Please click through to it. It's important for us to get your views so that we can continue to make this thing what you want it to be. Well, it'll form part of the summer summer discussion. <laughs> it will. It will indeed. So uh, before we sign off, mate. Uh, final views on the Weird Beard, Time and Tide crossing over reverse black and tan that we're enjoying. I'm enjoying it, and it is the sum of the parts, but the white stamp is still leading for me. It's whatever, whatever. Again, I'm sure there's a sciencey explanation here, but both both of those beers individually were so well balanced. Yeah. But together, the white stamp is sticking out. I am going to go with you on that, and I'm gonna. I'm not a brewer or a scientist or an expert at blending uh, at all, but I think maybe a forty sixty blend might have worked a little bit better. So forty on the white stout, sixty on the double black coffee IPA. Yeah, for what, whatever it is that's in the white stout is definitely it's definitely overpowering it's the leading. blend. Yeah, yeah, isn't that, it? Absolutely, it's a dominant partner. Yeah, but. I mean, these have been great beers. I've, oh. I've, I've, I've really enjoyed these, and I'm, I'm really grateful for, um, to Drew from time to time for getting in touch and giving us the background on them as well, because that's, that's really added a, an element to yeah, enjoying these beers definitely. tonight. So it was um, nice to get the background. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So um, until next week. Yeah. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Let's make some bad